This morning we have um, a guest speaker. Uh, Back in 2004, um, I was extremely ill for about six months. I was hospitalized twice during that time. And uh, following that, uh, we learned that I had a a significant uh, immunity disorder. And um, receiving treatment continuing to this day to help me not get sick when you, you know, have germs and you blow on me. Um, I can't make you sick, but you can make me sick. And as a part of that, I I personally went through a a pretty significant uh, sense of depression. The church went through a difficult time as uh, I was the lead pastor at that time. Uh, Clara uh, needed and had to uh, step up and lead and has been really leading the church since then. As a part of that, the Vineyard National Office provided to pastors who were going through difficult times what they called a Sabbath retreat. And we were provided, I believe, a 10-day time away in Atlanta, Georgia, in the woods and the green and beauty uh, with a flowing river. Uh, And there we received care, love and care from a team of people who profoundly influenced Claire and I and initiated into us and um, themes, ideas, ways of pursuing God that have over the years been implemented perhaps more strongly in the last few. And one of the team members there was Dave Nixon, who is here to speak with you this morning, and we are extremely indebted to him, Claire and I, and his team that was present that week, those 10 days, that loved on us and extended care to us in a very dark and difficult time in our lives. Dave um, has been a part of leading those Sabbath retreats for um, a decade or so. He is the founding director of Sustainable Faith, a founding um, and former pastor of Vineyard Central in Norwood, uh, Ohio. He has... um, been a spiritual director for the Doctor of Ministry students at George Fox University in the leadership and spiritual formation track. Dave travels around the country leading Sustainable Faith School of Spiritual Direction cohorts. Dave and his wife Jody will celebrate their 40th wedding anniversary this summer. Let's give them a hand for that. They're past Claire and I. And they have three adult children, two son-in-laws, and three grandchildren. Dave has uh, been coming out now every few months and is leading a spiritual direction training cohort here in San Antonio with about five of our own church members, and we are deeply indebted to him for his love and care for us and the training and provision of God that he is providing. And we welcome you now to welcome Dave as he comes to share with us his heart. And the kiddos can be dismissed. No, the speaker is right there. So, sorry. That's fine. Thank you, brother. Father, we thank you for the goodness that you have uh, provided uh, to us. And we just welcome you now to fill Dave with your strength that uh, those uh, sinus irritations uh, and coughing that he has been experiencing since being here in our wonderful city of San Antonio. Um, might you just relieve him completely of that and free him as he shares with us this morning. Yeah, amen. <laughs> I was fine before I got here, and I <laughs> I think it's a Texan conspiracy. That's my, it's like, who's, who's a real Texan, who's not? That's just my. 
Uh, it might might be good if uh, maybe a cup of water. You got it there, brother. Okay, thanks, man. Well, I'm delighted to be here, and uh, all, all of that preamble was, in my opinion, unnecessary. Randy could have just gotten up and said, Dave's my friend, and I've invited him to speak. Uh, that would have been fine with me. Uh, I understand that you're in a, a series that is introducing you to um, a variety of ways in which to meet God, to grow the relationship. And <clears throat> I understand that on the f- first week that Clara talked simply about desire, the place of desire in our own formation. It seems to me that that's always going to be square one. There has to be this initial desire that we we have <coughs> to to uh, move in the direction of God. Um, and in that movement, uh, degree by degree, to understand that the one whom we're meeting uh, is, is deeply in love with us. And, and I don't mean that in a, a, you know, a, a gooey sort of a way. I mean that, that God, who is our um, loving Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that God is so deeply committed to us. I like to use the phrase that he is bent toward us in love and goodness. Uh, and, and when we begin to understand this and uh, our identity gets formed by this, <coughs> then, then all of a sudden life takes on a very different color for us. Uh, relationships take on uh, a different color for us. Uh, the way we see ourselves in this universe, in this world, takes on a different uh, color for us. And we begin to think in terms of mission and destiny. And, and God has so gifted me, so greatly gifted me and loved me that, that what can I do other than just give back to, to offer myself first to the Lord, but then to be poured out in this world? For others, and and that doesn't mean that you're gonna get on a plane and go to Nepal. It doesn't mean necessarily that you're, you know, go, gonna go to a, a slum in a, in an African city. It it could be right where you are, but God is going to open a way for you to reflect His goodness and His glory to other people. That's just the way it works. And as we make that journey toward God. Uh, Jesus is a prism, is, is like the, the lens through which we see God. And as we enter into the life of Jesus through reading Scripture, meditating on Scripture, uh, and, and some of the other things that you are being introduced to, we come into contact with Jesus, then our lives begin to look like his life. And this is simply one of the ways that life works, is that we become... Uh, like what we behold, we are formed in the image and substance and manner of the thing that we give our attention to. Uh, and so, did you know that if, if for instance, y- you, well, it's a dumb example. I'm not going to give it. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Uh, it wouldn't have been worth it. Trust me. Don't say, doggone it. We missed something really powerful there. <clears throat> but what I want to do uh, this morning is just talk about something that most Christians feel very guilt-ridden over, and that is the, the subject. Like, uh, I think most Christians just feel like they, they, they suck at prayer. 
they and and that uh, everybody else you know prays well, but I don't, and I should. I know I should be praying more, but I don't. Uh, I'd like to pray more, and when I do, certain things you know that I expect to happen don't happen, and <clears throat> I just don't get it, and I don't feel all the fuzzies and warm stuff that other people talk about, uh, whatever it may be. I just think that most Christians struggle in this area of prayer, and so I want to um, offer you. Some uh, a way of of praying, not the way of praying, but a way of praying in just a few minutes that I think will make a lot of sense to you, um, and will make it um, accessible to you. So, first, it's always good to begin with uh, the the words and the life of Jesus. Uh, he says a lot about prayer, <coughs> and some of the most significant things he says about prayer. Um, uh, which are few in number, are in the Gospels over in, in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, first of all, um, don't, don't come at it as if it's magic. Um, don't approach it in a superstitious way. Uh, God is not some divine slot machine. And, uh, and, and if you just pull that handle enough times and you get lucky with the right combination of, of uh, images or, or words that all of a sudden, you know, it's payday, that you get what you want. But you've got to keep trying uh, there. This is not how God is. Uh, he says, so you're not heard by the number of words, you say, and you're not heard uh, by how eloquent those words are. Some of the most powerful words, that, that uh, powerful prayers, have been simple words. Uh, you know, two, three-word prayers. The vineyard, <laughs> the, 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 sort of the charismatic uh, embrace of the vineyard was a three-word prayer spoken at a church gathering where the person simply said, come Holy Spirit, and boom. Uh, the, what, what issued from that throughout Southern California and throughout the world is amazing. Just that three-word prayer. So we're not heard by the number of words that we pray. And we also don't come to prayer to make ourselves feel good. <clears throat> um, he talks about the Pharisees who would stand on the corner and you know, sort of blow the trumpet and uh, I'm about to pray, everybody give witness to my holiness. You know, there, none, of, none of that stuff. And then they walk away feeling very good about themselves <clears throat> because they know that others are ooing and aahing over their religiosity, right, and wishing someday they could be like them. It's not what it's about. It's not to feel good about ourselves. Like, oh, now I feel better today. I did my duty. Uh, <clears throat> this is really simply about a relationship. When we pray, we are talking to a person. It is um, not magic. It's not self-affirmation. It's simply a relationship. And Jesus says, look, here's, here's the deal. Just keep praying, be persistent, and pray with as much faith as you can. That's kind of, that's kind of it. And <clears throat> come with an expectancy, that believing that, that the thing that you ask for if it is good and right and holy, that, that you have a father who wants to provide for you. And so, you know, that's kind of the bottom line of what he says. And then he gives us also a way, a, a, a prayer. Not the prayer, but it is a prayer that has united Christians throughout 
the last two millennia all over the world, and it is the Lord's Prayer. And it captures so much of how we're uh, asked to pray. So I want to just here, before we go any farther, invite you to pray this with me line by line. And this is a little bit of a, a rewrite, a paraphrase of it, but it does it's in line with the content of the prayer. So if after I say a line, you would say a line, we'll begin by actually praying and believing that as we pray this, the Lord is listening intently. He is bent toward us in kindness and goodness and mercy. <coughs> and for a moment here, if you're able to stand, would you stand and we'll pray this and then you could sit back down. And if it doesn't feel like it's a violation of your conscience or, you know, uh, just extend a hand. And repeat after me. Our Father in heaven, occupy the first seat in our lives. May your kingdom come and our kingdom go. May your will be done and our will be undone. Give us what we truly need, not what we falsely want. Cancel our debts and bring us freedom from bondage. In like fashion, we will cancel the debts of others and bring your freedom. We are weak and prone to fall. So have mercy, dear Lord. Pick us up when we fall and find us when we're lost. You are the King of Kings. You hold all power and you have all splendor. Amen. <clears throat> so the beauty of that prayer is that you know we, we begin by just acknowledging the, the place of God, that God occupies first place, first position. And then the, the next movement of that prayer is to say that we want that first position to be reflected uh, in, in, the, in the breadth of our lives, whatever we say, whatever we do, in word and in deed. And then we get to just the basics of life. As we, as we go through life, we have needs. And we say, Lord, would you take care of my needs? Would you give me each day just what I need? And then we confess our weakness, that we are creatures who are prone to fall. By the way, I forgot that there's also this thing of canceling debts or the forgiveness of sins. I, I like the translation, the canceling of debts. I think it's, it's, it's broader because one of those, you know, it encompasses and enfolds the element of sin. But this goes broader, that God has called us to uh, practice and to preach and to uh, be catalysts for jubilee, for the, for the erasure of debts, for leveling the playing field and bringing all God's family together. Uh, so I think it's a, a, a bigger kind of prayer. So, so really it's a prayer for uh, also community, reconciliation and community. And then we finish by just confessing our weakness, that we are not gods, we are mere mortals, we have clay feet, uh, and that we will fall, we will sin, we will hurt others. And so, Lord, would you help us in our weakness? 
And what a beautiful prayer, succinct, short. This is a prayer that uh, you could pray on a daily basis. And you say, well, I don't have a lot of time to pray. I think it might take you 15 seconds. If, if, uh, <clears throat> if you don't have 15 seconds in your life, um, um, God help you. <laughs> but, you know, just to put it, put it somewhere in your house where as you pass by, you pause for 15 seconds. What an easy thing to do. <coughs> There are lots of modes of praying. I mean, you can, you can talk about like spontaneous prayer, that kind of the moment uh, demands it in a sense, calls it forth. And so I make up the words. They just sort of come out. I would call these ad hoc prayers. And then you have sort of the more fixed prayers, liturgical prayers that are associated with the uh, smells and bells kind of churches. You know, you'd find it in Catholic churches and in Orthodox churches and uh, Anglican and Episcopalian churches, uh, Lutheran churches, um, where you don't choose the prayers. The prayers, in a sense, are there for you, and you pray according to those. And there is there there is a great power in that, in the way that these prayers shape us. I won't go into that. Maybe at some point in the future we could talk about that. Uh, we have praying in tongues, what is referred to as glossolalia, a kind of transrational um, uh, way of praying where you don't know what you're praying, but the, but uh, God is drawing forth these utterances that uh, maybe don't make sense to you, but it's like a baby. You know, if you say, here's this baby that's, you know, going goo goo gaga and all these random syllables to a parent who is gazing into that baby's eyes and just looking in love upon that child. And that child is responding with this language. I mean, would we say, oh, that child's not talking? Oh, that, that is a deep, deep and vital communication between parent and child right there. It's absolutely essential for the bond of love to uh, be formed. This call and response, call and response. And praying in tongues is often like that. And if we could just say, uh, you know, I think that's an easy way of, <clears throat> of looking at it. It makes sense. We also have just a silent prayer. Meditative prayers. Can think of two people just sitting next to each other and enjoying that without any words exchanged. That also is prayer. Think of maybe a a, a, a teenage uh, girl wandering through a meadow and she's just uh, ra- enwrapped by the, the the flowers that are out there, and you know she feels her heart overflowing and she's just thankful to God, but she doesn't say a word as she walks through the meadow. Is that prayer? Uh, of course, that's prayer. She is communing with God in there. And then we have ways of just praying with our bodies, saying as we begin work, as I begin this work today, Lord, let my work be my prayer to you as I expend my energy in this particular task. Uh, And and then you just go about your work knowing that by your efforts that you expend on behalf of others and whatever it may be, that, that you are acknowledging God as you do that. Uh, without think you know having to say the actual words as you uh, say say words as you go so so just to say there are lots of ways to pray pray and there are different uh, foc- focal points of prayer some are very God focused it's just all about God like many of the songs that we sang this morning it's just like God you are that's a kind of prayer but then we have very uh, sort of in between prayers part God part me it's like a prayer of thankfulness. 
is I've experienced something, I have a tangible good, and I'm thanking God for that, for what I have in my hand, and it's a little bit in between. And then we have some prayers that are just like very other-focused, like intercession. It's not about me. I'm coming to God, but I've got somebody squarely in mind that I'm praying for. So so uh, it's sort of there's this continuum, and it goes back and forth between that. And in healthy prayer, we would experience all of those. We would be some prayers that are just directly to God, some prayers that are, oh, God, oh, God, help, help, help. Uh, <clears throat> and then some prayers that are for other people. Um, I like, uh, I think it's Annie Lamott. She has this uh, book, um, Traveling Mercies, and I don't know if anybody's read it, but she practice, practices fixed hour prayer. Um, pray once in the morning, pray once at the middle of the day, pray once before going to bed. And she says her fixed hour prayer is this. In the morning she wakes up and says, thank you, Lord. In the middle of the day she goes, oh, help, oh, help, oh, help. <laughs> and then at the end of the day she says, oh, well. Uh, <laughs> that's her fixed hour prayer. <laughs> So let me just uh, cover some basic uh, points here before we go into just this very simple way of praying. Uh, one, there are a variety of ways to pray. Uh, no one way is best. There is no hierarchy. It's not like, well, when you get super spiritual and grow up, you'll only pray in this way. Uh, we pray in all sorts of ways. Uh, Second thing that's true is that you and I tend to favor one or two different ways of praying. It's sort of, it's easy to sort of get into a rut and say, this is just the way I've always prayed. And that's good. Um, and yet there's this whole sort of smorgasbord of prayer that is available to you if you would like to uh, enjoy it and practice it. And it may feel a little strange to you at first, praying in a different way, but I guarantee you, when you sang one of those songs this morning for the very, very first time, and you didn't know the melody, and you didn't know the chorus, and you didn't know the words, you stumbled through it, and it felt awkward, right? But after you hear a song a few times, it's like, hey, I'm kind of warming up to this. Hey, I don't even have to look at the screen anymore. I know the melody. I know the words. And then it just becomes a part of you. And this is the way that it is in life. As we learn a new way of praying, it will feel awkward. And if you can embrace that awkwardness, then you can make it through the awkwardness. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, we want to recognize, too, that prayer can occur in the busiest of lives. It is not the exclusive domain of those who have leisure. It is meant to be a part of our lives regardless of how busy they are and it can fit into a busy life. I also want to say that preconceptions of prayer can spoil the experience. It's like you, you come in with an idea of what ought to happen and when it doesn't happen, you are disappointed rather than let prayer just be what it is and not overanalyze it. That always feels like it's, uh, uh, it, it spoils it when you begin to overthink it. Uh, just experience it and then come back to it again. And let the very doing of the prayer, the experience as it is, teach you about prayer rather than to come with the expectations. Oh, I've heard, though, that if you pray in a particular way for 11 and a half minutes and you're in the right posture, your eyelids begin to flutter, and that's a sure sign that the Holy Spirit is present. <laughs> none, none of that, okay? Let's just pray. 
So preconceptions and also comparisons with others. As others talk about their glowing prayer lives, uh, let's just (laughs) not let that um, dissuade us from uh, beginning. Uh, Their experience may be different from yours, very different. And then um, I think it's also important to note that prayer grows from very small beginnings. That if you're not typically, you wouldn't consider yourself a person who prays regularly, and you were to devote simply 60 seconds every day to reciting the Lord's Prayer, just standing in one place, sitting in one place, taking a few deep breaths, taking something like what I just wrote, and and praying that and sitting in silence for a few seconds after that, I promise you that you will be more inclined to pray at other points in your day. That's just the way it works. And as you begin to pray these little prayers at other points in your day, you will be more inclined to pray at other times. And it begins to kind of sweep its way through your life so that you find that you become just a person who prays regularly, standing in a grocery store line. You're looking at the cash register who looks a little bit perturbed. Like, why are you bothering me today? Uh, And you're tempted to say, who peed in your cornflakes? But instead, what you do is you're just quiet for a second and, you know, before getting there, and you say, Lord, would would you bless this child of yours? Would you give her some good news today? Would you give him the help that she needs? I don't know what the story is behind the curtain of that person's life, Lord, but you do. Would you love upon that person today? Just a quick prayer. And, and, and this is the way we can do really all of life. So, um, so I want to talk here in the closing moment specifically about sacramental prayer. Some of you who maybe are former Catholics are rolling your eyes at this point. Or some of you who are afraid of big words are, are, are a little nervous. Okay, But I, I assure you that this is quite easy. Um, when we say sacramental prayer, it's just related to the word uh, sacrament. And sacrament has this root word in it. It's just called sacred. And uh, so a sacrament is just a sacred thing. So in, you know, we say there's the sacrament of marriage. There's the sacrament of, uh, of uh, communion. There's the sacrament of baptism. But uh, what we did here this morning, there's a sacrament of uh, dedicating uh, children, babies. That too is a sacrament. So, and this is this is absolutely key. So, sacramental prayers related to the word sacrament, and a sacrament is a literally in Latin a sacred thing, but a sacred thing is an ordinary thing that has been linked to God. That's it. It's just an ordinary thing that has been linked to God. Simple bread becomes the body of Christ. Simple grape juice or wine becomes the blood of Christ. Uh, A desire to raise a child before God becomes a baby dedication. Uh, And so, in sacramental prayer, what we're invited to do (coughs) is to take the very ordinary things of our lives and to link them to God. That's it. What are some ordinary things in your life <clears throat> that you consider ordinary? How about these? Waking up in the morning. 
taking a shower, getting dressed, making a bed, sipping coffee or tea. Why you do tea, I don't know, but enjoying a, a, <coughs> a beer or a glass of wine, going to work, leaving work, mowing a lawn, repairing a car, hunting, hog slaughtering. Okay, um, that might be something, you know, that's a seasonal thing for some farmers and that too counts. Sweeping a floor, nursing a child, changing a diaper, bathing a child, going to bed at night. <coughs> so how do you take something ordinary like that and turn it into an opportunity for prayer? And how do you link that very important first step like uh, that Clara talked about? How do you take desire and, and roll it up into that to craft a prayer? Here's how you do it. Several years ago, I was meeting um, monthly over the course of a, a year with a woman. Her life was very, very busy. You could tell that she held this desire to uh, really draw closer to God, but she didn't. She felt like it just wasn't working well for her. And I could tell that she was beating herself up over it. And <coughs> so I, I said to her, um, Kathy, Give me, give me just a handful of things that you do every day that regardless of everything else, these things are going to happen in your day. And she, she got still and she said, I'm going to, well, I get up in the morning, she says, and I always have my coffee, always. Okay, good start. And she said, I, I always make my bed. The rest of the house can be a wreck when I leave for work, but I always make my bed. Awesome. And she goes to work. And I said, what else? Tell me more. And she said, I always do the dishes at the end of the night. She said, again, the rest of the house can be a wreck, but the dishes will get done every night. Awesome. What else? She said, almost always before I go to bed, I get in the hot tub for about 15 minutes. I said, Bingo, we got it. You have all you need right there to build a robust prayer life. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and over the next month craft a prayer for each of those events that captures the physical thing that you're doing, what you're doing when you're drinking coffee, what you're doing when you're making a bed, and link it to a desire of your heart. And just do a simple, like, a uh, few, like no more than two or three sentence prayer. One that you can memorize. One that you can write down and eventually it just becomes a part of you. And so she did. And she came back the next month. And <clears throat> I'm going by memory here, but th this is the kind of prayer she wrote. And it's not too far off what she wrote. <coughs> she crafted, she says, this is my prayer for the drinking of the coffee. And so you have to picture her. She, she said she, she took a mug and she put it between her hands and she said, uh, and this was something like the prayer. She said, Lord, as I hold this warm coffee mug, I feel now the warmth of your love for me. As I smell the aroma of this coffee, I invite the aroma of Christ into my life. As I sip this coffee now, and then she would take her first sip. And I feel the warmth going inside and my body coming alive 
She said, I pray that you would make me alive to you this day. Amen. It's like, yes, that's it. (laughs) That's it. And she did one for the making of the bed. Lord, thank you for my rest last night. And as I go into my busy day, I know that you will make my path level just as I smooth out the wrinkles in this bed. Amen. And so now she's created an expectation of God meeting her in the, in the wrinkles of her daily life. And then <coughs> she did one for uh, the dishes and she did one for the hot tub. And they were just these beautiful, simple little prayers that she began to use uh, that were like the, the seedbed for growing her prayers. It's just a, a really great way to do it. And the beauty of this is it's attached to something that's quite physical. So our bodies crave this. If it's just sort of floating around in our mind, it's, it's often not good. But if we can attach it to something concrete, then it feels like it gives it weight and it gives it substance. And so I'll, I'll finish with, with this and then an invitation to you. <coughs> so I, there, there was a, a therapist. I have a number of therapist friends. I don't see them all. Uh, uh, <coughs> But they, they uh, you know, think of, who, who is anybody here a therapist? Yeah? Oh, God bless you. You people, you hear the dregs of life all week. You hear hard stuff. And, and my therapist friends will share without revealing, you know, confidentiality or, un, you know, undoing that. I was just like, how do you do that? How do you sit every day with people who are suffering like that. And then you go home to be present to your, your family. Like, hey, honey, I'm home. You know, it's like, how do you do that? <laughs> and and uh, one guy said that he would just like at the end of the day, just get in the car and on the way home be praying, oh, God, help me to kind of shake these stories and uh, all of that. And, you know, it's just sort of in his mind. And so my suggestion was was this. Why don't you... Why don't you create an altar in your office? Get a little corner over there and put a bowl of water on, on somewhere there. And put a little can- and a towel there and a little candle. And then write a prayer that expresses your desire uh, for turning toward home and your sort of gratefulness for what you've been able to do. And here's what you would do. You would walk up. Before you leave that office at the end of the day, and you take a deep breath, and then three times you dip your hand, both hands, into the water, and you splash it over your face, and you just say, in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, you light a candle. You, want, you dry yourself off. You should do that before you light the candle, okay? <laughs> or you're going to have some difficulty, I promise. So you light the candle, take another deep breath, and you look at that prayer, and it says something like this. Lord, I thank you that you have graced me with the opportunity to be your healing presence, your loving presence to uh, people who are suffering. And I pray that you will... Be with them now um, because you, O great shepherd, are the only one who can adequately care for their souls. I release them to you here at the end of the day. And now, Lord, would you turn my heart 
toward my family, toward my friends as I leave. And then you say, Amen. You blow out the candle and you walk out of that door. That prayer will be ten times more effective than driving home in a car and saying, God, help me to forget what I, you know, help me to, because it's a tangible prayer. It's one that's connected to things that are concrete. And so think of what you do in your life. All of you have, I mean, our lives are ordinary in this respect. And there, there are prayers waiting to be crafted by you that are simple one-sentence, two-sentence prayers that capture a desire of your heart, anchor it to something very physical, and will move you in the direction of God's love. So I want to invite you here, (coughs) just in the closing moment, and this is the last thing we'll do, is be still for just one moment and review your day and ask the Lord to highlight one place in your day, a foothold for prayer, something that is repetitive for you. And so, Lord, as we are quiet in this moment, would you, by your spirit, just illuminate a moment in each one of our lives that is, um, Lord, a place where we could attach a prayer. And now that you have perhaps identified that, <clears throat> what is a one, two, or three-sentence simple prayer that would capture something of your desire that you could attach to that? If you could just reflect on that, and if you had paper even, you might want to write something down. But you can also just do it in your head or on your phone. <laughs> And now let's finish by asking for those who are uh, bold to um, just share something, a place in your 
day that you identified and a prayer that you attached to it. Could we get um, two to three examples of this? Because I think the more we can get like a living witness to what, what this looks like, uh, the better. So who, who has a, a prayer they could share and what it's attached to? Yes. Um, I have two small children, and they eat about every hour. And so feeding them and cleaning up from having fed them is a really big part of my day and gets a little repetitive and tiresome. And so what I wrote um, for my sentence was, Lord, as I feed food to my children for their bodies, would you also enable me to nourish their soul? See, and do you, do you hear the desire piece of that? That I want to nourish the souls of my children. So linking something physical, just eating food, to that. Uh, <clears throat> and... Uh, so a, a beautiful example, and here's the deal. So I think, think, you know, we could I ask your name, please? Joy. Joy. Okay. So, um, you know, for a person like Joy, you know, often there's this question that moms or stay-at-home dads have: is like, have I forfeited my spirituality for the next 18 years? <laughs> Am I? Is this it? Right? How do I meet God here? As I change diapers, as I wash clothes for the tenth time, you know, as I'm, it, it's just, it's crazy. And I'm telling you, my, you know, our son-in-law had a, a brain aneurysm 13, 14 months ago. And, and, um, he's, his life has been just a devastated in some, and our daughter has two small children. We moved to Columbus to the house right behind them so we could help care. She is having to work a full-time job now, and we have become full-time parents again, effectively. And it's like, it, it, it is not easy, <laughs> okay? And I, so I, I get your world. I get, you know, some of your world. And, and the, the cool thing is, is that Jesus is present in that world, absolutely present, has not forgotten you, sees your struggles, knows your weaknesses, knows those times where you lose your time, all of that. Jesus is there with you and is there for you and is wanting you just to talk about that life and inviting you into you know, the conversation. And that is a great way to start that conversation. One more. Can we do one more as an example? <clears throat> yes, in the back. You enjoy bacon? Well, who, who doesn't? But go ahead. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Th there you go. I mean, you, you, okay, we're going to we're going to run with this. Okay, this is a good one. So bacon. <laughs> All right. I had a I met God the other day at West Street Taquito. Okay, <laughs> I'm telling you, I had uh, these taquitos over there. That I just threw my head back. I took a bite, and I I just sat there stunned by how delicious they were. I'm telling you, this is a place to go to. It's in San Antonio. I'm <laughs> shout out for West Street Taquito. <laughs> Or West End, I don't know where it is, but uh, <clears throat> it's the barrio. So, uh, but but really, I mean, there was this moment of, oh, this is so good, and a moment of thank you, God. And this is what sacramentalizes, makes a meal sacred. You know, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And you see, so he took it, he gave thanks, because in the giving thanks there for bacon or whatever, you're acknowledging the source of the gift. And you're attaching a physical pleasure to the giver of that physical pleasure. And so when you do that repeatedly with other things, it, it grows gratitude in your heart. And you begin to see all things as gifts of God or potentially as gifts of God. I mean, that's the beauty of, of this. So, so our evangelical fundamentalist way of praying about meals is all wrong. I'm telling you, it is. God bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. What that? God's going to magically transform that fried Twinkie to nourish your body? Oh, no. Okay, it will not happen. <clears throat> okay, that's like asking, going up to a friend and say, would you plunge this dagger into my heart? You know, <laughs> It's not going to happen. Uh, so, but, but if you say, uh, you know, even though it would be uh, bad for your body, and you might want to reconsider, but to say, Lord, this is delicious. And even something like this occasionally is occasionally. Do you hear that word? Is a gift. Just the sensation, the taste sensation. So thank you. And I think God delights in that. Uh, when it becomes abuse or addictive and all, it's a different story. But... But so think of even the, the little pleasures, physical pleasures in the day to stop, attach a prayer of thankfulness to that. So does this feel accessible to you like this? Oh, yeah, this is something I could do. Uh, could you as a body commit to saying I'm going to establish three points of prayer in my day, something in the morning, something around midday and something sometime before I go to bed? And three little prayers and write them out if you have to. Write them on the medicine cabinet. Do something. But, but just establish a base, sort of, and watch what grows from that. You will be surprised. So if you'll stand with me, I want to pray, uh, uh, pray for you and we will be done. <coughs> um, Lord, you have invited us all into the richness of relationship with you. And to learn uh, through that experience that you are good and loving and that you accompany us, accompany us uh, regardless of where we find ourselves. And we pray that our appetite for prayer would grow. Uh, we pray that you would um, just draw us into these simple prayers and that in those, Lord, um, we would find uh, pleasure and we would find relationship. We would, Lord, find you. Ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. Blessings. And um, I know there are people who are available to pray for you. I will be up here too. Uh, if you would like prayer for any reason, just uh, feel free to come up after the service, okay? God bless you.